0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe. All right, uh, welcome to the show, World Soccer Radio on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network, also Sirius XM. I'm your host, Nick Geber. Uh, Well, we've had an international week. Uh, Thank God it is over. Don't get too excited, though, folks, because it is going to be repeated at some point here next month in the early parts of next month, unfortunately. So uh, anyway, we will be getting back to the Premier League. And, of course, Friday is our complete patented Premier League preview pundits prognostication show where I'm going to give you all my picks for the Premier League weekend, but there are a lot of news stories percolating around the world of football, uh, including fan violence. We're going to talk a lot about Newcastle United today. I also want to touch on what was one of the most exciting heavyweight fights I've seen in a long time the Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, uh, Fury Wilder 3. What a great fight that was. Um, you know, I, I just feel like I. Like William Shatner landing in the Blue Origin, he had to get it all off his chest. I kind of feel I have to get it all off my chest. Anyway, lots to talk about today on the show, and I'm with you each and every weeknight, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern Time, right here on these very networks. I'd like to take the opportunity to welcome to the show all of our men and women in uniform around the world listening on the American Forces Network. What a pleasure and a privilege it is to have you with me. You can find me on Twitter at Nick Geber, N-I-C-K-G-E-B-E-R, Facebook, facebook.com forward slash World Soccer Radio. You know, I watched the pictures of William Shatner coming back or taking off and coming back on Blue Origin, you know, the giant penis rocket. Uh, <laughs> had, a, had a bit of a laugh, actually. Uh, but, you know, it was kind of a cool thing to send some, you know, 90-year-old, uh, 90-year-old guy to space. Well done. But, you know, the more you think about it, the more you think, what a colossal waste of money. Really, isn't there something better they could be doing with all that? All right, um, lots to get to today. World Soccer Radio, Sports Byline Broadcast Network, Sirius XM, Nick Eber with you. I'm going to step aside, take a break, and be right back. In the meantime, in the meantime, check me out on Twitter, at Nick Eber, N-I-C-K-G-E-B-E-R, or Facebook, facebook.com forward slash World Soccer Radio. I'll be right back after this. today is gonna be the day that they're gonna throw it back to you all right well they can throw Bye it back to me welcome back well soccer radio I've nick Eber with you on the sports byline broadcast network and sirius xm also our digital channels iHeartRadio. tune in the award-winning sirius xm app we are basically everywhere that you are and we are pleased to be that way lots to get to you today did you see that heavyweight fight uh, you know, I have DAZN, so I and again, this is they're not a sponsor. I've mentioned this before on the show. They're not a sponsor. I, I spend 100 bucks a year with DAZN, and I watch, I don't know, 8, 10, 12 big fights a year, and I think it's well worth the money that I pay because you don't have to buy the individual pay-per-views, particularly if you like fighters, for example, like Canelo Alvarez. But this fight that I paid for was Deontay Wilder Uh, against Tyson Fury, the third iteration, I've seen them all, and I paid 80 bucks for it, 79.95, and what, was it worth it? And I actually paid for it, because at the time, I think I was getting minus 230 for Tyson Fury, and I made the bet at minus 230, put a few hundred dollars on, paid for my pay-per-view, and I did it all at BetOnline.ag. And really, if you're going to bet online, this is the place I recommend. And they are back and better than ever right now with the NFL going on. All eyes are on the gridiron. And Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college gridiron action this season. Uh, they've got a new updated site and interface. They've got even more odds, props, and contests. Bet Online continues to be the number one source for your sports betting needs. And let me just tell you, it's not just gridiron, obviously. The the NHL season is about to start up again. Uh, Basketball, NFL, golf, tennis, MMA, of course the boxing, as I was talking to you about. They've got every sport you could imagine, as well as every league, every global football league on the planet, with the Champions League, the Europa League, World Cup, World Cup qualifying, Nations League blah, blah, blah. They got it all. Head over there right now. Use your mobile device. That's at betonline.ag. Sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use the promo code Believe B-L-E-A-V, to receive that bonus. And as I said, football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the incredible offers available for the season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. So, I really enjoyed that fight. Um, I have to say, you know, the heavyweight division for many years was very, very boring. I mean, you kind of had Mike Tyson, and it was very exciting, and everybody was into it, right? And then all of a sudden we had, uh, <laughs> we had what, what can only be described. I mean, you know, the era of uh, Muhammad Ali and Leon Spinks and Larry Holmes. I mean, that was you know the the glory, the the golden golden era of boxing. Yeah. And then you had a whole reign of <clears throat> heavyweights that were you know questionable, if not questionable. And then all of a sudden you had boom, Mike Tyson, right? Eighties and early 90s and then it just kind of went we had Buster Douglas Nevada Holyfield and Riddick Bowe and we had Lennox Lewis but you know no one really stood out head and shoulders above everyone else and Tyson even came back for kind of a second reign so to speak in the mid 90s and then we had Holyfield again and Lewis and then we got to the very, very dull Klitschko brothers. The Klitschkos ruled boxing for like eight years. And while there's a lot to admire about Vladimir Klitschko, you know, interesting guy, well-spoken. And by the way, Vitali Klitschko was the brother, so you had the two brothers kind of ruling to st- supreme. They just weren't exciting boxers, a little like Floyd Mayweather, who I've never found to be an exciting boxer. Then you had Deontay Wilder, kind of coming up, starting in 2015, WBC champ, and now you had a guy, we've got some really interesting heavyweights, Wilder, Joshua, uh, Tyson Fury. They were kind of ruling the roost. Then you had that, Incredible upset back in December of 2019, where Andy Ruiz defeats AJ Anthony Joshua in really uh, the most insane one of the most insane matches you know, bouts you're ever going to see. So then, oh, Andy Ruiz, Andy Ruiz. Then and of course Anthony Joshua comes in and defeats him in Saudi Arabia. Anthony Joshua then has all the belts that tie the WBA, the WBA, the IBF, the WBO belts. Tyson Fury is sitting there with the WBC belt after winning that from Deontay Wilder. Everyone's saying, okay, you know, we're going to get Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury, but then, of course, two British fighters, then, of course, Anthony Joshua loses to Ruiz, then they have the rematch, then we're all set now again for Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury, if Fury, you know, can defeat the challenge from Deontay Wilder, and then, boom, (laughs) Anthony Joshua loses to Alexander Osik, who's actually a super cruiserweight who came up to heavyweight in in what was a great fight, I might add. So now we're set. Are we going to see Tyson Fury-Osik? That's the fight everybody wants to see. I don't think we are because of um, Anthony Joshua's rematch clause, but I don't know still if he'll beat uh, Alexander Osik again. And eventually, hopefully... Before anyone gets too old, we'll get to Fury Usyk. But look, the point about it is, it was a great heavyweight fight. It was the big show. It was the best of the best. These guys put on 12 rounds. Let's move it to football a minute. That's why international football leaves me cold most of the time. It's like watching Olympic boxing. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's technical. Yes, they're good players or good fighters. But it's just not the real deal, right? The real deal was that everything's on the line and you're going to fight yourself to unconsciousness like Deontay Wilder did. We're talking about the Premier League, the Champions League. That's where the big stuff happens. And these international breaks that just keep coming up. And, And this is why I support Arsene Wenger's idea to revamp World Cup qualifying. Now, there's been a lot of pushback from some of the referees. By the way, how do you like that segue? I thought it was pretty professional. There's been a lot of international managers complaining about this concept, saying, well, you know, if we do this, uh, we're not going to see our team for over a year. Well, why do you need to? They don't work for you. They work for their clubs. Wouldn't you rather have them for a month? Straight where you can train them, talk to them, inculcate them in your ideas for the national team, send them back to their clubs, let them make their money, and then bring them back, a little warm-up, and then boom, you're into the competition the next year. It's so much better, and as fans, we need this. Because these, inter- I mean, England, Andorra, okay, look, Andorra is a lovely country. It's tiny. I think there are less people in Andorra than you could probably get into one of the big, the Allegiant Stadium here in uh, Las Vegas. I don't need to see England going to play Andorra. I know you can only play who's put in front of you. It's nobody's quote unquote fault, but it's not exactly a match of great interest to me. So we have to do something about it, and I like Wenger's proposal. We'll have to see how it goes. The rest of it. World Cup every two years, that seems to be getting shot down by anybody they care to ask. And that is a good thing. All right, this is World Soccer Radio. I'm Nick Eber. When we come back after the break, let's talk about Newcastle United. Let's talk about also the violence in the stands in England-Hungary and um, and the Poland match. We need to talk about it to get it off our chest. Have a little football therapy for the soul because the doctor is in. <laughs> I just love Ganga 4, but I say that every time I play them on the show. Welcome back. World Soccer Radio presented by BetOnline.ag. I'm Nick Geber. Find me on Twitter at Nick Gieber, N-I-C-K-G-E-B-E-R, or Facebook, facebook.com forward slash World Soccer Radio. A couple of big stories. We're going to talk about Newcastle here in just a few minutes because that is actually probably the biggest story right now in global football. But we have to touch on the shocking scenes at both Wembley and away during the Poland-Albania match. In the England-Hungary match at Wembley, apparently a Hungarian fan uh, hurled some racial epithets at a steward in the stands, and that is a crime And when the police moved in to remove and arrest this Hungarian fan, essentially a massive brawl broke out. In the Albania-Poland match, oh, by the way, that, on top of the 1,000 or so Hungarian fans that were at Wembley, booing while the fans took a knee, while the players took a knee in respect for the fight against racism and global discrimination. And by the way, no one is talking about Hamden Park when Scotland played Israel, the Scottish fans basically jeering and booing over the Israeli national anthem. But nothing, of course, is going to happen there. So what do you do about it? That becomes a question. Look, we know, particularly in Eastern Europe, racism is in your face. It is there. And yes, there are some very excellent forward-thinking people in Eastern Europe who are desperately trying programs to kick racism out of football and out of public life and out of this, that, and the other. But, you know, deep-seated racism is... Exactly that. It is deep-seated throughout much of Eastern Europe. And it's going to take more than, you know, a public relations campaign to get rid of it. And we may never get rid of it. But what we can hope for is that people keep their abhorrent concepts to themselves, maybe. So there's talk now about banning Hungary from playing. Ban Hungary. And that is, you know, cancel culture at its finest, by the way. It is the wrong thing to do. The Hungarian players, the Hungarian FA, are full members of the international football community. They cannot control the poor behavior of their fans. Same thing with Poland, same thing with Albania. Both of those countries have had their own racist problems. What you can do is ban the fans. Now, that's something that you can do. But, you know, the players aren't the ones out there hurling the racial epithets. And if they are, they get thrown out, fired, and banned. It's the fans. It's the people you have no control of. Those are the people you have to focus in on. Which means Hungary plays its home games behind closed doors. Which means no Hungarian fans allowed to travel to follow the team as they go around and play their World Cup qualifiers. That's how you punish them. Otherwise... You know, you're forever going to be banning various nations hither and, you know, all over the place because of the poor behaviour of their fans. Now, Look, we saw this in England, right? We saw this with the ban after Heysel, after Hillsborough. Although, you know, again Hillsborough was internal to the uh, to England, Heysel was was not. That was a you know that was a Champions League or European Cup match. And English teams were banned from European play until they could revamp their structures. But it, it's very different to take out the, quote, hooligan side of the game, which they largely did through seating only, raising ticket prices, you know, basically pricing these people out of the game. And actually getting rid of deep seated racist beliefs that are inherent in a lot of your fan base or or some of your fan base or a few of your fan base or that fan base that would travel and spend money to go with your team the problem is not the team the country the players the problem are the fans and that's where you have to take it to clearly if you can identify a fan that person gets banned but if you can but if you have to have some form of collective punishment It has to be on the fans saying, no, you cannot go. It is behind closed doors. You cannot travel. You have lost the right because you don't want to be an upstanding, normal, reasonable thinking, compassionate member of the global (laughs) human race. We don't want you. We don't want you in the stands. We don't want you following your team. We don't want you, fans, racist fans, as part of our football. You know, it, it, it is time to to stop this nonsense. I mean, um, John Gruden, what, retires here uh, in, or well, retires, resigns as the coach of the LA Raiders, right? And excuse me, I live in Las Vegas. I should be thrown out of the city because, <laughs> because they are, of course, the Las Vegas Raiders. Because of some old emails that he wrote. You know, this is, there, there are so many issues I have with this, okay? Um. Clearly, this has been a pattern with Gruden. And it may still be a pattern. And, you know, the NFL has a, an enormous percentage of African-American players in its ranks. How you can have someone that has been outed as having a racist mindset in recent memory, I I, I don't know how you can do that. Uh, his, his ability to lead particularly lead a team or, or or lead in a league with a large amount of african american players has just been absolutely destroyed and so not only did he become the youngest coach to win a super bowl but then he now has the you know scarlet letter of being the closet racist who has had to resign his job with one of the league's, well, I wouldn't say premier, let's just say marquee franchise. And by the way, this racist stuff goes back with the Washington football team. So what, where I'm going here, because this is obviously World Soccer Radio, not World NFL Radio, thank God, I'm not, I'm not a massive fan of the NFL, in, in, in case you didn't realize that, Um is that where you can identify it, you have to deal with it. And when it is collective and communal, you have to deal with it on a collective and communal basis. But if you're going to make collective punishment, you have to punish the right people. A very quick story here. I I was, a number of years ago, I was with Stephen Cohen. We were doing Fox Football Friday, and we were in in the UK, and we were watching an Arsenal, I think it was Arsenal Man United at Highbury if I'm not mistaken, but my my mind, my memory is not, not so great. But we were definitely at Highbury. And one of the visiting fans, I think it was a Man United fan, uh, in the corner area, threw a coin at an Arsenal player taking a corner kick. I mean, that can really injure somebody, okay? That is not cool. But let me tell you what happened. What happened was that fan was immediately set upon by six or seven or ten fans of his same club that were in that area with him. They grabbed him, they restrained him, and they called the stewards and they came down and the police came down and they arrested him because that is called policing your own. Policing your own. That's what has to happen. If you've got a bloke shouting racial epithets, it's up to you, you, not to sit there and watch it, not to sit there and tut tut and tisk tisk and shake your head. You have to say something. You have to say something. Do something. Separate yourself from this a-hole just watching some guy spout off racial epithets makes you equally as complicit if you don't do something who is going to and then a brawl because you're going to protect your own your racist pig (laughs) the police come down to arrest him or remove him And a brawl breaks out. Punish the fans behind closed doors. No fans on away games. And and make it a big punishment. Make it a year. Make it two years. Make it five years. Let it hurt. So that when Hungarian fans can finally come back and see their team If anybody even whispers something untowards, they're going to be pounced on by their own because they don't want to have to sit on the sidelines for another five years. That's how you do it. This is World Soccer Radio. I'm Nick Gieber. I'll be right back after this. The unmistakable guitar of East Bay Ray. The Dead Kennedys, Moonover Marin. I love the Dead Kennedys, With the original, with Jello Biafra. I mean, I, I know they've been touring for a decade plus with the with a singer that's not Jello, uh, but uh, not the same band, at least in in my estimation. Anyway, welcome back to the show, World Soccer Radio, presented by BetOnline.ag. I'm Nick Eber. We spent a large portion of the last segment talking about racism in football and racism in sports. It's not going away any time soon, and and that is a real shame. Wouldn't it be great if we could just eradicate it from the face of the earth? Wouldn't it be great? Life would be better. It would be a much better place for everyone to live. But some people just cannot you know, have some of the finest views of the 12th century. I, I, I don't know what to say. Anyway, um... I have been threatening to get into this Newcastle United situation. So I'm going to do it right now. So Newcastle United taken over by the Saudi Investment Fund in a fairly small takeover. I think it was 300 million pounds. Which, for a Premier League team, isn't an enormous sum of money. For anybody else, it's a ginormous sum of money. (laughs) But, you know, hey. But, of course, Newcastle United is uh, a team that, to put it, let me put it indelicately, shall I? They suck. And they are in serious danger of being relegated this season. Which would really be a problem. They are winless in seven games. They have conceded 16 goals, the most any team has conceded outside of Norwich, who have also conceded 16 goals. Now they have scored eight goals, which is to their credit, but they're awful. And they have the world's most uninspired manager, Steve Bruce, getting ready to celebrate his 1000th match as a manager. Boy, if there was anybody well past his sell-by date, it's Steve Bruce. And by the way, I have no axe to grind with Steve Bruce. I have met him once or twice. Very affable guy. Very nice guy. I have no... Yeah, you know, I certainly don't have a personal animus against him. I just don't think he's... Uh, uh, you know, Look, I, I, I think the job of a sports manager, and, and I say sports in general, I'm not just talking about Soccer. I'm talking about sports in general. Has changed over the decades. The old Bill Shankly boot room concept, the uh, Alex Ferguson hairdryer treatment. The you know we can go on, right? Those approaches are anachronistic. They are you know not the way you deal with today's athlete. They're not the day, the way you deal. With today's data and statistical level of athletic training and team management, sure you have to be a man manager. I mean, look at Pep Guardiola, look at Jurgen Klopp. What you know? Look at Thomas Tuchel. What a great job they do! But the old Harry Redknapp style of management, those days, you know, are gone. They're behind us. Much like soccer as a game has evolved. The speed has increased. The game's got faster, more technical. Uh, the, the the way you have to manage a team has changed. So Steve Bruce, kind of old school, too old school, I think. Uh, the problem that Newcastle have is before they can start spending all of this lovely money, and I'm going to get to that in a second, they've got to solidify themselves out of relegation. It doesn't matter if they're 17th. It doesn't matter if they're 16th or 15th. They got to be out of the relegation zone and ensure the Premier League football. If you think it's going to be difficult to recruit top talent when you're not in the Premier League, I mean when you're not in the Champions League, imagine how hard it would be to recruit top talent, just no matter how much money you have, if you're not even in the Premier League. So Newcastle have gone gonna have to look at this managerial situation after this Saudi takeover. And they're going to have to decide how they approach it. It would be, in a perfect world, Steve Bruce would be the guy to manage them to safety this season. Retire at the end of the season. Hopefully get a nice payday from, you know, the owners of the club. And move on to the old age home or, or, or you know, Brighton he can sit on the beach in the rocky pebble beach and sip his tea. I don't know what he wants to do. But I'm not sure that Steve Bruce is capable of doing that, particularly looking at Newcastle today. Now, maybe, maybe they could gamble a little bit, throw the dice and say a couple of good solid signings maybe in January could see uh, you, uh, Newcastle through. But the problem that Newcastle have is that the other teams that are in the relegation zone that they're going to have to fight, fight uh, outside of Burnley okay, are Southampton, Leeds, Watford, and right now Crystal Palace. But certainly Southampton and Leeds, and both of those teams are essentially good teams that are just having a rough time of it right now. Newcastle United is not a good team, and they are having a rough time of it. So what do you do? Do you fire Steve Bruce? Do you bring in another manager to take the helm, steer you to safety, get rid of that bloke, and then bring in the manager that you want when you can finally start opening up the floodgates the financial floodgates i believe that is what they are going to do guys and i think the person that is actually they are looking at right now is very likely to be the assistant manager at newcastle who is a big newcastle fan apparently is liked very much by the players we're talking about graham jones and that is a win-win. Because the managers that they really want, <coughs> look, the manager they really want is Brendan Rodgers. But he's not, leaving. he's not leaving Leicester City. So then you go down the list. Well, who are they looking for? Well, they're looking for maybe Frank Lampard. Mm, okay. Uh, Lucien Favre. Steven Gerrard. I mean, those would all be good managers, to be fair. I think Frank Lampard got a bit of a uh, a bad rap. Probably Lucien Favre is the guy. Former manager of uh, Borussia Dortmund. Nice, Borussia Mönchengladbach. You know, a a good, solid, kind of crossover manager. He's a little bit on the older side. 60, I think he's in his mid-60s. He's certainly not a former player like Frank Lampard or Stephen Gerrard. But he could be a guy that could put the pieces together on this club. Now, let's because the time is so short on this show, which is always a crime, I have to tell you. The most recent news are that a bunch of big clubs, particularly Manchester United. <laughs> I love this, by the way. Chelsea and Manchester United. Have gone to the Premier League bitching and moaning and complaining about this deal. They don't understand why the Premier League approved this takeover when, you know, they're trying to claim that the uh, Saudi investment fund is actually run by the Saudi government, which it's not, by the way. It's run by uh, uh, independent appointees of the Saudi government, but the Saudi government does not control it. The Premier League looked at this and agreed. You know, this this is just precious coming from a team whose billionaire owner Roman Abramovich came in and chucked a quarter, half a billion pounds at this team, took them from bankruptcy to contention, from Manchester United, whose debt riddle club spends more money than anybody knows where they get it, who were trying to create a European Super League, You know, look, financial fair play, and by the way, they're not alone. The other big clubs are all moaning and bitching about this. You know why? Because these clubs were hoping once Man City's takeover was in place, okay, the last of the the mega, mega money guys had come in and bought the club. They wanted to close the door behind them. And they tried to do that with financial fair play. They tried to make the bar so high that no Saudi investment front could come in and pull a PSG, or pull a Manchester City, or pull a Chelsea. So they wanted to close the door behind them, and essentially create that European Super League, where the big clubs were almost guaranteed Champions League positions, almost guaranteed to finish top five, and no one else could come in and challenge their... Hegemony. Well, guess what? That has happened. Now, what a risk from the Saudis. What a risk from the Saudi Investment Fund. But they have to be taking a long-term view, which is so positive. You know, one of the things about the takeover of Manchester City was that the super-rich Middle Eastern uh, oligarchs that took over that club Invested in the community, invested in the club, invested in the youth academy. It was more than just plowing money into players. They did that as well, by the way. I hope, one hopes, one can seriously hope, that that is exactly what... The Saudi investment fund are going to do much like was a Sheikh Khalifa Al Mubarak did at uh, from Abu Dhabi did at Manchester City, because that has really built a club. It's rebuilt a community. It's not a bad thing. But the hypocrisy of these clubs moaning and whining and bitching because another super rich guy, in fact the richest of them all, has come in and bought a club and it's now going to push them out of their comfort zone, should make all fans of the game smile, rub our hands gleefully together, and say, oh, this is going to be great to watch, because it's just going to push the level of the game higher and higher. If you ever had a doubt that the Premier League was the greatest league, football league on the world, let, it, let you solidify that view. Get rid of your doubt, because it is you're now going to have another big money owner pushing the other teams to greater and greater heights. And it's funny and not unusual and not surprising that the Times now reporting all of a sudden Manchester City very active in January talking uh, to Borussia Dortmund about Erling Braut Haaland. And uh, trust me, they will spend whatever they have to spend. They will give Mino Raiola his backdoor payout whatever they have to do to get him because they need him, because they want to solidify, because they're worried not just about this season, but they're worried now about their reign at the top. It is the greatest reality show on earth. And this is just another chapter. But number one, Newcastle have got to get out of the relegation zone. I think in January they'll probably sign three or four players Many of them from Man United. And let's see what happens. All right. This is World Soccer Radio. I'm Nick Eber. I'll be right back to wrap it up after this. All right. Welcome back. Little Elvis Costello. I don't want to go to Chelsea, which honestly has been a mantra that I think most clubs in the Premier League are singing these days uh, when they look at where they have to go to play uh, a trip to Stamford Bridge, uh, not something that they are looking forward to. However, having said that, this weekend, Chelsea have a very, very difficult trip to Brentford. We're going to talk about all the Premier League matches on Friday. I'm going to give you my Premier League pundits patented preview and prognostication show, along with all the odds and picks, courtesy of our good friends at Uh Some good matches coming up. Uh, the King Power, very important match at the KP between, Manchester, between Leicester and Manchester United. Uh, Liverpool will uh, kick off the weekend away at Vicarage Road against Watford. I talked about uh, Brentford-Chelsea. That's a huge match, obviously. Everton-West Ham at Goodison is also shaping up to be a cracker. And speaking of Newcastle, they will be hosting Spurs at St. James's Park. That is a big, big matchup. Uh, Those are the, on Monday too, we've got a match on Monday as well, Arsenal Palace at the Emirates. So lots of football to get to, lots of football to get to as we uh, get back into the Premier League and we can put this international break uh, behind us, thank God, and get back to the greatest reality show on earth. All right, um, Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern Time, I'm with you. Every day on these very networks, you can also catch the podcast at our podcast network, the Believe, B L E A V podcast network. Be sure to subscribe and have me download it into your device. It sounds naughty, doesn't it? Have me download it into your device. Woo! Uh, So that you can listen to the show when you're at the gym, uh, in the car, wherever wherever you're going. Anyway, uh, please do that. And don't forget to visit our sponsors, betonline.ag. If you want to place a wager, there's no better place. And uh, if you are going to place a wager, though, please make sure you do it responsibly. Make your sports betting part of your entertainment and not part of your lifestyle. All right, folks, that's going to wrap it up for me. I'll be back with you tomorrow, 6 p.m., 9 Eastern. Then again, midnight Pacific, 3 a.m. on the East Coast on Sports Overnight America. Till then, have a great night. Talk Really?